Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. What's up, guys? This episode is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. Big Things Crewing is a company we started and we cater to ultra marathon runners if you need help getting to the start line we can help you there and if you need help getting to the finish line we can also help you there Uh, we offer crewing and pacing services for all your ultra marathon needs Um, there isn't a whole lot of races going on this year but there are a couple in colorado there's the silver heels 100 and there's the sangre de cristo 200 put on by human potential running service We'll be out there crewing and pacing, folks. And this conversation revolves around Nolan's 14. If you guys don't know what Nolan's 14 is, it is a 100-mile point-to-point adventure. You can go north to south, south to north. You can take any route you want, but you have to summit 14, 14,000-foot peaks. It is really, really tough. Um, Let me tell you, it's not just any old 100 miler. Uh, If there is such a thing, it is uh, is extremely challenging on extremely technical terrain in in sections. You're off trail. uh, It involves navigation. It involves uh, quick decision making. Um, You have to be prepared for weather. You have to be prepared for anything and everything that Mother Nature can throw at you. And uh, my guest today is no stranger to Nolan's 14. Um, He and I have spent quite a bit of time out in the Swatch Range on that particular line, scouting that route and trying to find shortcuts and trying to find the quickest way from A to B. And there's definitely no easy way, but uh, he and his wife um, have been spending some time out there this summer, and he is possibly looking at another attempt here this summer. He is a great guy, and him and his wife are just really kind, beautiful people. His name is John Denise, or John Denisi, if you're Italian, from what I understand. Uh, great guy, good buddy of mine, and uh, I am looking forward to digging in. So, with that, I hope you enjoy our conversation, and I would like to introduce you to John Denise. John? Hey, Adam. Hey, man. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Can you hear me okay? I can. Hear. I can. can you hear me? Yep. You sound clear as clear as a bell. Awesome. Perfect. Where are you calling from? I'm home in uh in Silverthorne, up in the okay. up in the mountains. Nice, nice. Now you guys have two places, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, living living the dream. We're uh, we're here in the mountains in the summer and uh, out in the high desert in the winter. That's awesome. Got got tired of what, uh, of the snow. So. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, is that what prompted that? Yeah, yeah, it was totally weather related. Yeah, no, that's Jen cool. and I probably about four years ago. Jen and I in February we were coming off the Continental Divide, up uh, up by Loveland Pass. Beautiful snow and uh but we're just like well it's february uh and up here at you know over nine thousand feet how many more months of winter do we have to go many (laughs) (laughs) smart man i I grew up in the east coast and you know there were you know around february march you can see the light at the end of the tunnel but not here in the mountains you got many months to go (laughs) that's true and you guys don't ski do you um yeah, it's it's always like an explanation I have to make. Uh, so yeah, I grew up skiing in in the Northeast, and when we first moved out here in, to Colorado in 2012, uh, we did the the resort skiing. I mean, you know, we have a, an embarrassment of riches here if you love to ski, right? We have half a dozen world class yeah. places within 40 minutes: Vail, Breckenridge, Beaver Creek, etc. And uh, we did the resort skiing thing. Bought the Epic Pass for. Uh, I guess the first three years or so, but we we just realized it wasn't really the thing for us. It was beautiful skiing, but you know, waiting on lines and that kind of thing. And we uh, we decided, hey, we love to climb. That we we moved to Colorado to climb mountains, so we we, uh, yeah. we said, hey, let's let's do backcountry skiing. So we bought the whole setup and. We said, before we do that, we got to learn about avalanches. And we took one avalanche course and that made us even more cautious. And we're like, forget about that. It's too dangerous. <laughs> that was kind of the end of our skiing. <laughs> That's funny. I know, man. When people ask me if I ski, I always have to give the little caveat too. Like, you know, I skied when I was a kid in Wisconsin a little bit. I you can call those hills there. And then I moved out here where there's the world's best skiing. And to be honest, I haven't skied out here one single time. And, <laughs> You know, people who ski are, they just hate that, you know, but I'm like, nah, I mean, I spend a lot of time in the mountains. I like to climb. I like to run, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't ski for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, it's a hassle. It's expensive and you got to deal with with crowds and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, the things that you and I like to do in the summertime, I'm always worried about hurting myself disastrously. Uh, Oh, me too. Yeah. It's like you fall down when you're skiing, like quite often. Like I just remember falling down and wiping out and having some epic wipeouts when I was a kid. And, you know, now I'm old and brittle, man. I don't want to wreck a whole season. <laughs> Plus you got these, these six foot boards on your, on your feet. So not, not the right. best thing for the knees or definitely uh, amps up the risk level. Yeah, man. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, cool, man. Good talking to you. Um, so I'm talking with uh, Mr. John Denise. Denise, right? It's it's Denise. It's kind of like the the girl's name. Unless you're in Italy, then it's Denise. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so, but Denise is fine. Ah, <laughs> oh, sweet. And um, yeah, man. So um, you said you grew up on the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up in uh, in New Jersey, and. Okay. Uh, Went went to went to school in Newark, New Jersey. That's where I met my my lovely wife, and uh, oh, okay. 
Yeah, we spent some time down in uh, outside of Richmond, Virginia, early in my career, and then moved up to uh, upstate New York. So we loved it there. We were in, uh, yeah. in Lake George, New York, and uh, thought that was where we were going to be for the rest of our lives. Found our place, got mountains there. We climbed all the Adirondack high high peaks, all the all the peaks over four thousand feet up there. We did them in the summertime and wintertime, and uh, frontwards and backwards. And and then uh, in 2009 was the fateful year. We took a trip out here to Colorado to climb 14ers to see how we would handle altitude and uh, the, yeah. the rest is history. It's exactly what they say, right? Be careful if you come to visit because you may never leave. <laughs> and that's when it's all over. You just get the bug. Absolutely. So you guys came out here um, with that plan to climb 14ers. H- had you ever done any 14ers before or had you had any experience in, in the high country or in Colorado? Um, no, no. So, you know, we, we got into hiking and climbing mountains you know, pretty intensely in, in upstate New York, like I was saying, and we lived in the Adirondacks and um, man, it's, it's, they're not, you know, the, the, the relief of those mountains from where you start to where you climb, you know, get to the top, you know, it's generally somewhere between two and 4,000 feet. Um, similar to climbing a lot of 14ers, uh, but man, they're rugged, rugged. Like you could be walking in, in a, in a stream bed and uh you know climbing up roots and like this is the trail yeah that's the trail it's really the trail it beats the beats the hell out of you uh so after we did all of those peaks up there in in 2009 we said let's you know let's see how we handle altitude so that's when we we took a week vacation out here and uh stayed in breckenridge and for that whole week we just climbed 14ers uh, just to see how we, we would you know, like bigger mountains and the whole feel of it. And, uh, you know, needless to say, we liked it. So I think that week <laughs> we climbed, I think we summited, uh, I don't know, six or eight, uh, 14 ers and, uh, nice. went back home and to upstate New York. And, uh, in 2010 in April, from April to November, we came out with the objective of climbing the rest of the 14 ers uh, so we rented a place in Breckenridge from April to November and uh, worked full time. I've been fortunate in my career. I've been remote. I, I, I travel a lot. Uh, and uh, when I'm not traveling, I can work from home. And so does Jen, my wife. <clears throat> so during the week we worked and Jen was always checking weather and she's the planner, uh, checking weather and checking routes and where could we go that weekend. And, uh, you know, on Fridays we would head out and, in our truck and go climb 14ers. So that summer we climbed the, the, the rest of them. And That's uh, awesome. it was, it was an awesome adventure and it really, it was life changing. It really changed the, the trajectory of how we saw the rest of our lives and what we wanted to do and that we probably would not be in one place necessarily for the rest of our lives. And we really were, became more seekers of, of, you know, living consciously, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm, that's kind of one of the things that, that I found that we had in common was uh, it was sort of the same journey for me. Uh, I came out here and climbed one 14 er on a, kind of a random trip out here. Uh, I was with a friend on a, a um, she was doing like a family reunion and we climbed Quandry Peak. That was my first 14 er 
And, you know, um, it was years later before I finally started tossing around the idea of, you know, I'd done a little bit of running, but I knew I wanted to get out and do something big. And I was looking at the Appalachian Trail and the PCT and tossing around different ideas. And I really only had a couple months to play with. So I decided just to come out to Colorado and just live in my truck and climb as many peaks as I could. So I know when I met you, I was like, oh, man, yeah, I, I did them all, too. <laughs> I still have five or six of them left, to be honest with you, that, you know, I mean, it's like they're, they're still hanging over my head. And, you know, once I got hung up on that line in the Swatch range, I spent so many summers out there. Ah. It just took time away from me finally finishing the big goal. But, you know, that goal kind of got put on the back burner for now just because, uh there's just so much to do in Colorado. There's, oh my God. The climb and I, it just doesn't get old, you know, it's, and you know, I've spent a lot of time with you in the Swatch range and it just doesn't get old. I can climb out there forever. I, I love doing those. I've done some of those peaks over 20 times probably. And just, you know, I just love it. And, and off the beaten pathways too. Right? <laughs> and sure. Crazy yeah. stuff we're doing with Nolan's. I tell you, yeah. sometimes it feels Still, you know, like you feel like you're um, being a quote unquote a peak bagger, right? It, people think of it as a you know a, a derogatory term, but hey, you're getting out there, you're, you're doing big things, uh, and you know you're pursuing your passions and the things you enjoy doing. And sometimes it seems even more silly <clears throat> uh, going after lists, right? Whether it's doing the fourteeners or when I lived in upstate New York, we did the Adirondack High Peaks, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's, you become a 46er once you summit all of the 46 highest, highest peaks uh, in, the, okay. uh, in the Adirondack State Park, right? And th there's only two that are above uh, 5,000 feet. But, I, I, you know, lists, I think the, the big upside of that, people can get obsessed with them, but I think it gives yeah. you a great overview of an area right so like when i did when we did the doing the 14ers it gets you around into so many different beautiful places in colorado and each one of the major mountain ranges and whether you complete the list or not if you're going after it you're gonna see some incredibly varied beautiful world-class uh outdoor uh you know mountain areas, mountainous areas that, okay, you know, even if you're not doing 14ers anymore, you may want to go back to that, you know, a particular area. Like, you know, we love the San Juans. We love, the, we love them all, but we love the San Juans and the Elks. They're just incredible, uh, beautiful places. And we want, we've gone back there many times, not necessarily doing 14ers, but other, other mountains and other hikes out there and other adventures and just gives you a good overview of a, of a region. I like that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you get to see the whole state yeah. in a really unique way. And you get to see parts of the state that, you know, lots of people never will see. And uh, yeah, regardless, it's uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awe-inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes, and, you know, it makes you, you get out in these grand places and it just makes you feel small and, and humbled, <laughs> you know, part of the universe. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I think that's kind of a big part of it too, is feeling so small and feeling so humble and feeling like, you know, well, my problems are pretty insignificant <laughs> compared to, you know, so much else that's going on in the world. I mean, 
Yeah. Um, you know, when I was stuck in my little town in the Midwest, that was just kind of my whole world. And um, it just gives you a new perspective. Uh, absolutely. And that, that, I mean, you hit on the head exactly what connects with me. You know, I mean, I see, I see myself as, sounds corny, but it, you know, I'm a believer in, you know, I love astrophysics and science and all that. And just the fact that, you know, we are all are part of this universe and we're insignificant specks in that in an odd way, you know, it, it kind of makes, makes me anyway, you know, want to make the most of my life while in my short time here. Right. And, um, and just, experience all that I can in my little part of the universe here. And it's, it's a beautiful part that we live in that we're fortunate to, to, uh, to be a part of. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. Yeah. I just like had this vision at one point, you know, this is gosh, like 2000, 2001 or something. And I just realized like, you know, I just wanted to do big things with my life. I guess maybe that was the start of big things crewing way back then. Like, I wanted to get out and do these big things, but living in this small town in the Midwest, I, I didn't even know where to start. And at the time I wasn't running, you know, I, I didn't even know what those things were. So, you know, I drug my butt into a gym and started working out and, you know, it eventually led to the things I'm doing now, but um, yeah, man. So, so you guys came out and climbed all the 14ers and then were you doing any running at that point? No, no. And that it, it's, it's, it, so we climbed the 14ers and like I said, it was really life, life changing. <clears throat> then when we, we drove back, uh, you know, we, we came out here, we lived for seven months out here in Colorado with, and all, and we had two mobile offices, so, you know, laptops and whatever we had for our, whatever we needed for our, our offices, two dogs. Uh, and um, everything that we brought we was it had to fit in the back of my truck at that time was a you know 2001 ford Expe expedition right so uh we lived on that we didn't want for anything and when we drove drove back east uh, in november we were leaving uh i remember so clearly as we're going east out of Denver and the mountains are fading in the rearview mirror i looked over i saw jan a tear coming out of out of her face choking me up now thinking about it and just how much wow. we connected with this place uh and 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 the people and and the the culture and and the, just the vibe of of colorado and the energy um it really really affected us at a at a core level um so we went back and um we got back to our our home uh in upstate new york and we felt like um burdened with this, all of the additional stuff <laughs> that we had there, yeah. the physical possessions that we had. And that initiated us, uh, probably going off on a tangent here, but this is quite a journey. It was really uh, impactful for us. And we yeah. started getting rid of things, you know, things that we hadn't seen or touched in years and uh, giving things away, and, you know, free piles at the end of the driveway. Uh, and by 2000, at the end of 2011, uh, we had come to the conclusion that, you know, there's really no reason we couldn't go and live in that wonderful place. Uh, we could make that happen, right? So uh, let's go make it happen. Let's do that big thing. Um, yeah. So we sold the house and moved out here and, uh, you know, 
the rest is history. But that climbing the 14ers project really affected um, me uh, when you asked about running, bringing it back to that. Um, when we still lived in Lake George in 2011, so this is, uh, well, we got back to New York in November. Uh, in January, there's a, a thing called, there was a sign up for the Lake George Triathlon. And I had seen it a few years, but I never considered that that would be something that I would ever conceivably consider doing <laughs> uh, a triathlon. Uh, but yeah. having been inspired by, by what we did out here in Colorado, and I, I, at that point, I think I was seeking the next kind of challenge or adventure. Um, mm -hmm. I decided to sign up for that thing in, in, in January. And I think the race was in, in, in May or June. I signed up for the Olympic uh, distance triathlon. And, you know, I was really nervous about that. And when the time came around, you know, that's when I started kind of, you know, running a little bit more seriously and doing my first training, I guess, that, that I would call it, uh, and ran that. And I, I really enjoyed the training for it. And um, it, the race went well. And by the end of it, I actually had the feeling, wow, I should have signed up for the half, for the half, you know, the half triathlon, the half Ironman distance. Um, and then in 2012, I moved out here um, and, uh, you know, continued doing mountain adventures. And in 2013, I, I think it was probably at the suggestion of Jennifer, I always, I'm kind of the, the, uh, the loosey goosey guy. I have ideas or things I might want to do. And I'll mention them to Jen, like, Hey, maybe we could do all those Adirondack high peaks, uh, in the winter. You know, I, I see people do that. I just mentioned it I, <laughs> and she, she got it and she started, then she started planning it like, wow, we could actually do awesome. that. And here's how we're going to do it. So, <laughs> uh so I, you know, sometimes wow. I open my big mouth and uh, then all of a sudden Jen will start <laughs> like getting into the details and figuring out how to make it happen. So <laughs> that's, that, that's how we work oh, sometimes. So but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely get the sense that the two of you are a team that works really, really well together. And, um, you know, I've seen you guys, I've seen her crew for you a number of times. And um, I've seen her out at the San Juan Solstice 50 helping you out too. And um, yeah, you guys are always traveling with dogs. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's something to envy. I can tell you guys' relationship is something really special. And um, I know you've mentioned to me before that like, you know, same type of thing. You'll mention something about a diet and then she gets really, really into it and just takes care of you, you guys' food and, and diet and really gets it dialed in as far as the nutrition aspect of it. So, um, yeah, man, it's really admirable seeing you guys just kind of work together and work around each other. I, I, I appreciate that. And that's, that's touching. I'm sitting here smiling as you're, as you're saying that I'm, I'm very proud of, uh, of the team that we are. Um, we, we've, we've been together for a long time. So, you know, <laughs> people think it's always smooth, but you know, we, we're, uh, we're individuals and, but we make, we make it work together. And I always appreciate the, the differences that we have, like, you know, things that I don't bring to the table, she does. And, you know, things that maybe she's not so strong in, uh, you know, I, I pick up the slack and I'm, I'm very conscious of that and, uh, and very proud of, um, of how we've been able to work together. Uh, and, you know, these adventures and these, these big things that, that we do together. And um, she's always so supportive of the, of the things that I've been doing, you know, getting back, I keep getting off on tangents when you talk about the running, but. No, you're good. 
you know, I think it was 2013, I, I ran my first ultra. And that was another thing too. I, I was never a runner, right? And uh, never, I always thought that things like that, running a, you know, an ultra marathon, uh, let alone a hundred miles, uh, was something that was just in the realm of only kind of special people could do that. And I'm certainly no, no, you know, special athlete, but I enjoy, I've found that I enjoy the process, right. Of being out in those beautiful places and being able to cover a lot of distance, uh, to get to hard places that are tremendously beautiful places and have a, just an incredible energy about them that are hard to get to, uh, but under my own power, and uh, Jen's been hugely supportive uh, in, as you've seen, uh, in me doing those things. And like every time I come into an aid station, she's, she already knows what I need. And even if it's not something I know I need, you know, she'll, <laughs> you know, she's not easy on me either. You know, she, she pushes my training and yeah. she pushes, uh, you know, that I need to eat when I know I, when she knows I need to take in calories or, you know, she's always checking to make sure I'm drinking uh, when she doesn't see me and drinking fluids. She doesn't have, she doesn't have to push me to, to drink beer or anything. I take care of that myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very self-motivated yeah, I mean, there. I remember specifically um, the year, it was a year that I ran San Juan Solstice 50 with you not with you, but we were both running the same race together. And, um, um, I, I might've finished a couple minutes ahead of you. Yeah, it wasn't did. very far ahead of you. And, but I remember, uh, thinking, well, I'm going to hang out and, and wait for John and make sure he comes into the finish line. I want to chat with him quick. And I remember you crossing the finish line and the two of you guys hugged and it looked like you got really emotional and she just like ushered you out of there. Like, <laughs> I didn't even have time to catch you guys or say congratulations because she just shuffled you out of there and I don't know where you guys went, but it looked like, like it was just magic. Whatever it was, it was just something magical that was happening. So I've always admired from afar. Oh, that's cool, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, it's funny. Do you get that too? I get a lot of times I get uh, emotion like almost like primal emotion upwelling out of me, especially at the end. Like when I get to stop, you know, I get, I get very emotional, yeah. but sometimes like in yeah. the middle of these things, when I'm, you know, climbing or suffering a bit, I get choked up. Uh, and I, yeah. you know, I'm not always sure where that comes from, but it must be just some inner emotions that get released when you're in that, I guess I, I call it, you know, like a primal uh, mode of, of exertion. Um, you know, things from, your subconscious come up, I guess. Yep. A hundred percent. Me too, man. I mean, uh, yeah. And for me, it usually happens. Like if I say I'm running a hundred miler, when I get to like 60 or 70 miles, that's usually when it happens for me, I just get choked up and I'm like, you know, it's like, I can't believe I'm still running. And it just seems like I'm almost doing the impossible. And, you know, I remember a few times, like just having this real, like, like moment with myself where I was kind of getting choked up. And I remember a few different times, just like putting my arms out, like I could fly almost, you know, and just having this insane primal moment, like, you know, it, it's hard to even put into words really, but it is, it is. I, yeah. I, I've, I've attributed it to various things, but I, I think 
the thing that connects with me most is just, it's a feeling of, uh, of gratitude, you know, for, for many things, you know, just how fortunate am I to be able to do this uh, and be able to experience this beautiful environment? Uh, how fortunate am I to have my health at this point in my life, you know, to an extent that I can conceivably even, you know, attempt these things, let alone complete, uh, you know, these, these big physical activities. Um, mm -hmm. And, and for everything that's gotten me to that point, you know, I, sometimes I think about my, my, you know, my parents or whatever, they've just come out of nowhere and, uh, you know, I feel yeah. gratitude and satisfaction or I'll think about Jen and I'll just, uh, it'll come out for a little while and probably at the most inopportune times too, like my throat tightens up when I really need to be taking in the most oxygen possible. <laughs> Of course. But it is what it is. It's all part of the experience. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I totally get it. And especially for, you know, I think for guys like you and I who weren't really born runners, you know, and, and not like we had these huge running aspirations in the early stages of our life. Um, just being able to, I mean, not even complete it, just being able to be a part of it just seems like sometimes it's a little overwhelming and, um, right. Yeah, you choked up when you when you start thinking about it. Yep, yep. And I, I was the farthest thing from a runner. I mean, I played sports in in you know in, in high school, baseball. I played a year of football, but you know, I was mostly baseball. And you know, to give you the, I was a heavy kid too. Yeah, you know, in my mid teenage years, you know, I was I was chubby kid for you know most of my uh, teenage years, uh, and even as a young adult coming out of coming out of college, um, uh, continuing to drink heavily coming out of college, uh, you know, a few years into my professional life, I was, I maxed out at almost 230 pounds. And then, uh, oh, wow. you know, so, and I was not really, I was not running then. Uh, I never felt like I was an obese person, but, you know, I was, I was, you know, clinically at the obese level at that point. Uh, you know, and then just, you know, the, growing up and, you know, not drinking as much and, um, and, uh, you know, modifying diet and, and then getting exercise and stuff, just, you know, the weight came off. And, uh, I remember when I was a kid, when I played baseball, I was so slow running around the bases. My father used to yell at me, well, you get the piano off your back, John, you know, he's like, I'm so slow, you know, you know running, running ultras isn't about necessarily about speed, right? It's just about keeping going and, uh, so I've never been a fast runner, but apparently I can go a long distance. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've gotten faster over the years too. I remember, uh, you know, I think you've done San Juan Solstice a couple times. And I know that um, the, the second time, I think it was the second time you did it, you really improved your time a lot and you had some goals set and you started training way harder. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly what the times were, of course, of what you finished, but you know, you get two different color hats or the, I think there's three different color hats based on your finish time. And you really wanted that other color hat. I wanted the red hat. I wanted the red hat. The red which hat. Is, which is, I think that's a sub 12 hour finish. So yeah, I ran it three times. And uh, yeah, the first, okay. year, the first time I ran it, I was thir like 13 hours and 40 minutes. And the, the next year I got it down to like 12, cut about an hour off. And then like that in 2018, that was my really good year. Uh, I really, I wanted to get sub 12. And I, I, it's funny, 
I'm sure you've experienced this too. Like when you do things, you know, <laughs> Nolan's is very top of mind for, for me now. And that's how it's gotten in my head is something becomes in the realm of possibility for you, right? So, you know, the first year I ran San Juan Solstice, the 50 miler, and, uh, you know, I, I think, I, like I said, 1340, getting a sub, a sub 12, uh, you know, I'm like, hmm, maybe that's possible. You know, the next year I uh, came closer and then, you know, the third year I ran it, I ran it in like 1120, which was over an hour faster than the, the previous year. But it's just so much of this is mental, right? Just believing that you can actually do it. Uh, as opposed to being totally intimidated by the by the possibility of it, right? You kind of set your own boundaries, right? Like, well, that's that's possible. Maybe I, if I push a little bit harder, or if I do something a little bit different, or cut some time out of aid stations, that could be me, you know, <laughs> be getting a sub twelve, you know. So. Yeah, no. I mean, that's the cool thing about ultras is, um, you know, I've heard, I heard somebody say it's ultras are 90% mental <laughs> and then the other 10% is mental too. I like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's like, you just have to see it in your head and, and start thinking, I wonder if that's possible. And then, you know, it's, it's like, it's like an itch or something. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, you have to be able to see it first, and then it it's somehow possible. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been cool watching the last few years of your journey. Um, and uh, you know, I I know you have your sight set on Nolan's fourteen, and uh, it's like a week what do you and a half now, right? What's a week and a half? Oh, maybe. Yeah, it could uh, be. Your attempt I at I are, are deep in conversation. We've been doing a lot, a lot of soul searching about that. So uh, it, it could be, oh, yeah. Cool. It, it depends on weather okay. and so it depends on weather, uh, atmospheric weather, uh, as well as uh, whether uh, I'm okay. feeling uh, up to it. And I'm sure it's, it's such a roller coaster okay. of emotion, trying to, for me anyway of trying to figure out, you know, like, why am I going to try this again? Uh, and then if you are somewhat yeah. self-committing to it, um, going through that emotion of dealing with the react, you know, <laughs> there's so many aspects of it. It's so difficult and so demanding and, and it beats you up so much. Uh, you know, are you ready to go through that level of suffering again? Right. And the fear of that, I have had a lot of fear and Jen, Jen's had fear too, because of, you know, what happened in 2018 uh, when I tried it last time, I got almost to the 12th peak. Right. And I got caught in a, in an August blizzard thunderstorm um, at about 13,000 feet on the side of Mount Antero uh, at night. And that's when I decided to, I was already like 70 hours into it at that point and decided to, I'd, I'd had enough, but it was, it was kind of traumatic, uh, you know, under, really experiencing the real risks around that. Um, it was, you know, it was scary and uh, affected both of us. And it's taken us, you know, a solid 
two years now to come to grips with whether I want to try it, whether I, we want to try it again and put ourselves through that. I mean, Jen goes through a lot too, emotionally, uh, as well as, I mean, she's up as much as I am, you know, for whatever, however long it's going to take 60 something hours or hopefully a little under 60 hours. Uh, she's up, she's driving around, she's making sure that she has the stuff prepared for me. When she does see me, she hikes in to see me like a cottonwood. And, um, it's incredibly hard on her too. And, uh, she worries about me. Um, maybe even more that I, I worry about myself out there. Um, but it's just been an, I've really come to grips with, like you said, the physical part of it is one thing. Uh, but there's such a mental and emotional aspect to preparing for something like that. Um, and, and going, and then obviously executing on it. Uh, it's, it's been a quite a journey. <laughs> for sure. You know, I, I, I hear you, man. Just like, I know it's hard to even almost put it out on the table and saying, you know, I'm it going, uh, I'm going to make this attempt. I'm, I'm setting the, the days aside because, you know, it, it's hard to admit not only to yourself, but it, it's tough to admit it publicly too, mm-hmm. because like so many things can go wrong. There's a million and ten things that can go wrong and just finishing, you know, 10 or 12 peaks is, is almost a huge miracle in itself, let alone, you know, if you're able to finish the whole thing, everything yeah. had to have gone right. Like the stars had to have aligned and the universe conspired and was on your side. So I know the feeling where you're almost like, you know, I, I, you almost don't want to admit it. You almost don't want to tell people I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it another shot for fear of failure because, and it's not even failure. I mean, you could just run into a storm on peak number two, like anything could happen. You could stub your toe on peak number one and it could wreck everything. So um, I, I totally get it. And and I know Jen worries about you so, so much too, because uh, I remember our first scouting mission together or one, of, I think it was our yeah. first scouting mission together when we were out there with Julian Smith and we were trying to do a handful of peaks and uh I don't exactly remember how many weeks we did, but I remember we were coming down off the Colorado trail and I think that, that was going to be the end of it. And, and I came down like a couple minutes ahead of you guys because I just wanted to be done. I'm like, I'm just going to bomb down this thing and get back to my truck. And pass out. And Jen was down there waiting for you. And she, I could tell yeah. she was like very concerned. You know, she's like, is John still up there? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's still up there. And like, where is he? Is he coming back soon? And I could tell that she was just, um, you know, very concerned for for um, your well-being. And, um, you know, yeah. um, th- that's just how she is. That's just part of her nature. And that's why she is such a, a good crew member, I think. I mean, she's got crewing you down to a science. But, um, I mean, take us back to 2018. Like, um, how did that how did that whole attempt kind of shake out for you? I know that you made it almost. Yeah. I was on the side of Antero. 11th or 12th peak. Yeah. 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 I was with, um, let me answer one. Let me address one thing you were talking about with the, the hesitation to admit that you're going to do it. Right. And there is what you're saying is absolutely connects with, uh, with a feeling is, 
you know, do you even want to tell people you're doing it because, you know, something can go wrong early on. I, I was even hesitant, Jennifer and I both were even hesitant to put out to anyone that we were going to attempt it this year because we were unsure. And, you know, just in the, mm-hmm. in the coming to the decision of where we're, whether we're going to do this or not, once you put something out there like, hey, you know, you're going home, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for Nolan's again this year. But then you have second thoughts, right? So once you put it out there, you're kind of committing to, to your friends and the public. Like, and then if you don't, if you don't even try, you know, that's, that's even worse. So we were hesitant to even put out there for a while there, like during, right. we were hesitant to even talk about it amongst ourselves up until about eight weeks ago, right? <laughs> and then we started talking about it amongst ourselves. And, you know, both of us were like, All right, let's, let's not socialize this to anybody. And like, and then it became like, look, I, I, I like to be honest with people. I don't, I don't, I don't like to hide things. And it's obviously a, a very top of mind thing for me. Once you make a decision that, Hey, I think I'm going to start training to make this a reality. So it was even before like saying, uh, we're going to go for it. Just, just, just putting out there that you are going to go for it and make, that's a level of commitment that we weren't even ready to make up until a couple of weeks ago, really, you know, so just just to admit to ourselves but um yeah so yeah nolan's has been a journey too so 2016 yeah that's how did you first again how did you first hear about nolan's <laughs> so she 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 saw project she saw julian and by the way i listened uh to the your your uh interview your podcast with julian uh during one of my training high uh Ex, uh, oh, cool. outings uh last week and that was yes uh, it was inspiring. inspiring have julian yeah inspiring just to hike with julian but uh, having it, it really is. has to be an and, inspiration you know it's it, it it was an honor learning uh and being introduced to it uh through julian and hey i'm i met you uh i met brant mm-hmm. uh brad um, you know, number of other Sharpie uh, through that process of Project Treadstone. And, you know, I'm yep. so much, I'm so fortunate for having, you know, made friends uh, like you guys, you know, it's really uh, deeply meaningful to me. And it's been an honor knowing Julian and being able to interact with him and learning his view of the course. Uh, that was my start. So in 2016, Jen, you know, I was, we were, I was, doing some doing ultras there and jen saw the project treadstone thing which uh you know was julian's way of showing other people or introducing other people to nolan's and getting out on training uh and scouting hikes of various parts of the course right and uh you had to join this kind of private uh facebook group so uh jen jen and i did and uh yeah, we, I decided to get out on a few of the, the scouting expeditions and uh, that's where I met you. And um, I, I never got out on all of them. So I never covered the entire course. I never got on Tabawash or, uh, or Chavano, not that you need to know a route between those two or Antero either. So I didn't learn any of the Nolan's routes up any of those peaks. Uh, and then when Labor Day came around, which is when, you know, Julian had organized uh, anybody who wants to go for it, uh, to go for Nolan's uh, an attempt. Uh, that's when it would happen. 
like the week before, Jen's like, well, you've been on a bunch of these uh, scouting uh, hikes. You might, as well, you might as well go give it a try. And that was a shock to me. I wasn't even thinking anywhere along those lines of giving it a try in 2016. But it was like she gave, she gave me the green light. And like, what am I going to say? No. Uh, so I had no idea what I was getting involved right. in, Adam, <laughs> in terms of, you know, I started with you guys. There were six of us, I think, that started, right? It was you, uh, Brant. Uh, I'm going to forget everybody's name right now, but there were six of us. Uh, and, um, you and, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Um, he's the, uh, the endurance racer. You guys, you guys went blasting out. You guys went flying up, up Um, massive. It snowed. I think we hit snowed and everything. Yes. Yes. That year. Very Not up there and it's like a whiteout blizzard. (laughs) So anyway, I bailed, but, right. I, I, I lost everybody going up massive, going up uh, Missouri and uh, I bailed. I did the walk of shame at Pine Creek. Um, and uh, that was 2016. Got basically it was a, you know, a hard, a hard right to the jaw. You know, I had no idea it was coming. Totally blindsided me in terms of it takes everything. It takes mountaineering experience, endurance, hiking, ultra running experience, you know, experience in the mountains and how to take care of yourself. I had a, I had a lot of all of those pieces, but, um, but you have to pull it all together and just have the desire. You have to have an intense desire to finish mm-hmm. this thing because it's going to hurt and it's, it's not going to be fun a lot of times. So 2018, mm-hmm. you know, that was two, so I got seven peaks that year, 2018. That was the year I really pushed myself in the ultras. And I was, you know, I, I did, had some times that were, I was very proud of that was the year I had the, the good, you know, the sub 12 and San Juan solstice and uh, decided to give Nolan's a shot again, trying to leverage all of that uh, fitness that I gained training for the ultra races um, and uh, tried a different approach. So that first year in 2016, we were a loose group, right? We weren't saying that we were all going to stick together, right? We were going to start out together and hopefully we can support each other, but right. if people slow down or drop off. We can all take care of ourselves in the mountains and, uh, people were going to go on as they could. In 2018, I partnered up uh, with a friend who I met out in um, in Western Colorado, uh, JP Ogden, and he's an ultra runner uh, around my age. And um, you know, I respected his his ability, his endurance hikes, and the stuff he could do in ultras. We ran similar times in in the high lumps in 100. Um, and uh, he's also an He's just a very upbeat, great personality, uh, funny guy. We went out on runs together and trained a lot together and uh, got along real well. I could spend a lot of time with him. And uh, he's also an awesome navigator, uh, which, you know, I'm more of a gut feel kind of guy. Uh, but he's, he, <laughs> we proved it on when we did that yell route. We totally screwed it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't the right route. But I had to answer to Jen uh, when I got back home from that one. She's like, you didn't bring a map. You weren't prepared. You didn't know the route. Because she, she's uh, pretty detail-oriented. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, I, I figured Adam knew. And, you know, we were both figured out together. And, uh, yeah, we got off the mountain. We had our dog. We and our dogs were safe. <laughs> we got off. Yeah. 
Yeah, it wasn't real pretty, and we had to help the dogs. Uh, yeah, we we made it. It's never pretty coming it. off coming off Yale. <laughs> so anyway, you know, JP and I, we had times laid out. We we did well, and the wheels kind of fell off uh, for both of us in the between in the purgatory between Harvard and Columbia. <laughs> Things kind of went wrong. We got off our pace, and then we we went up Yale. Uh, Jen Jen met us at Cottonwood. Um, you know, right before we went up, we started going up Yale, and uh, she saw we were both uh, you know not in the best mental state. Uh, and uh, with Yale going up that avalanche chute coming up, uh, that trashed us. We were slow, kind of slow going up, and we were that East Ridge of Yale is just a nightmare no matter when you do it. And this was nighttime and it was cold and the wind was blowing. Uh, and uh, it took us forever to get down. Um, and we finally got down to the avalanche trailhead. And um, on the walk down or, or the trot down the Colorado trail to the avalanche trailhead, that big parking lot, JP and I had, had you know, agreed like, all right, we're done. There's no way we're going to do this in 60 hours. And stuff's just gone horribly wrong the last many hours. Uh, and we got there and Jen was there. Uh, and it was like three o'clock in the morning and, uh, I was ready to throw in the towel and, um, who, sh who showed up, but, uh, Brant, Brant Ketterer. And I love that guy. He, you know, he's oh, such nice. a, you know, a soft spoken guy, but you know, tough. And I've spent, you know, a good amount of, we've, you know, he did that Nolan's attempt with us and he had completed it, uh, I think in 2017 and, uh, I'm standing there in the parking lot with him and, you know, he's like, you're going to, you're going to quit. And, uh, I said, yeah, man, there's no way we're going to make it in 60 hours. And, you know, just in his quiet, uh, you know, thoughtful way, he looks at me and he's you know, just one-on-one -on -one. and Jen's standing right to the side of us. And, uh, you know, I never forget it. It, was, it really moved me. He said, is that what your goal is, is just to finish it in under 60 hours? Or, you know, do you want to press on and just, and just do the line? What's more important to you? Yeah. And um, I said, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of brain dead right now. I'm exhausted. He said, why don't you, why don't you just go lay down for a little while? I hadn't, I hadn't slept at all at that point. We were, you know, between 40 and 50 hours in. Okay. And, uh, uh, yeah. I, so I laid down for 45 minutes and, um, dozed off for probably 20, 30 minutes and, uh, woke up. I was in my, my camper and, um, Brant was still there. <laughs> like he drove at three o'clock in the morning. He drove out to, to meet us there. <laughs> I was very touched by that. And, uh, wow. he was still there. Uh, and he said, how are you feeling? And, uh, he was basically giving me the opportunity to run through all the excuses of why I'm not going to continue on and go up Princeton. Uh, and I said, well, my, you know, my feet are kind of beat up and, you know, I had my socks off at that point. And uh, he's like, your feet don't look that bad. Yeah. You've got some blisters, but they're not that bad. You know, this got, you know, it can get a lot worse. So he took that excuse away. <laughs> Was that? Or right. <laughs> not as exactly. bad as his feet exactly. were the year before. Right. <laughs> or, Years before, I can't remember now, but I just remember his feet being completely what? demolished. Well, the guy doesn't wear socks. Like just like the the guy doesn't wear socks. What's that? <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> cotton socks, cotton board underwear, shorts. board shorts. Let's go for it. And he is, he is the only person to, do, <laughs> to complete no one's in board shorts, by the way. He has that record. <laughs> he has that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, if you make another attempt, exactly. you got to wear board shorts for brand. Oh, I, oh, oh, the chasing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No so anyway, he, he he took away all my excuses, and you know, I, I did. I, I I took some uh, some some food in, and uh, you know, at that point, the, the time pressure was off, and you know, he just inspired me to. I was feeling a little better after you know twenty thirty minutes of closing my eyes. And uh, Jan and I set off on the, on the Colorado Trail. She walked like almost the entire way to the East Ridge of Princeton with me uh, as, the sun as the sun came up and was, you know, I was shuffling along and she keeps giving me food, like gave me a burrito and she's like, eat this. I'm like, I don't want to take anything. I'm not hungry. Like, just, just take a bite. You know, for eight miles, she did this. <laughs> and then she had, she had a hike back. She had like no water or anything. And um she walked me out to the East Ridge of Princeton and man, I had a glorious climb up that East Ridge. I, I felt re-energized and I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to finish the line. I'm going to do this. And I was convinced. And, you know, like after I summited, I was coming down that, uh, the, the West Ridge. Uh, I texted Jen just before Sweet I got up. there. I said, Jen, give me the times up Antero to Tabawash, you know, like from scouting. Uh, and, and then she knew that i I had, would kind of felt like I was going to do it. So got down to Alpine, saw her there. She walked me up the Jeep road a, a far away. And then like out of nowhere, these storms came up and I was like on that, I was at about 13,000 feet where you get off the Jeep road and you start going up Antero up the, that, that Talus uh, Hill. And uh, yep. storms came in out yeah. of nowhere for like three hours. I just sat there and I was trying not to go hypothermic and it was, it was kind of scary. But uh, even that, you know, after the storms and thunder and snow and everything and, and it stopped, I started going up again, but I was so exhausted and the ice, the rocks were then ice covered. And that's when I was like, this isn't safe anymore. And I'm done. So uh, I got little Browns Creek. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. And understandably so, man. I mean, yeah, I, there's no sense in putting yourself in danger, especially when you're that sleep deprived, um, you know, completing 10 or 12 of those peaks is just hugely just monumental. Like, you know, I, I've seen Jason holiday, Julian Logan I was there when those guys did their 12 peaks and, you know, it was clear they weren't going to continue and they did 12 peaks in 60 hours. And it still made me almost just want to cry. I was like, that was <laughs> freaking beautiful. It's just amazing just to even watch somebody go that far. So like there's zero shame in, in that. And especially when you're just taking care of yourself and your safety, but you mentioned that, um, that it was somewhat traumatic and it was, it was hard to even think about for, you know, a couple of years afterwards. Like, um, I mean, where, where do you think that like quote unquote trauma came from? I mean, just the experience overall or your, your safety or, or what was it that you were yeah. either thinking about or not thinking uh, about? Well, from and it it's from two different perspectives and i know both of them well uh so start with with my perspective um sitting there you know i had my <laughs> on a very steep uh talus slope uh with these you know these storms 
coming in um, <laughs> and try not to go hypothermic. And just, I'd never really been in that position before where uh, I was kind of stranded, right? Um, like once the storm started and there was lightning and thunder and, you know, rain and wind and then, you know, hail and snow. And I'm sitting there, sitting there huddled as in as small of a ball as I could be with like my butt tucked in a hole in these rocks. Uh, and like, you know, I had all my layers on, you know, I took them out of my pack uh, but still, I had like, you know, running tights on and my ankles were exposed. So I was, you know, we went so far as to take my pack off and put, and put them around. I'm, I'm in the, like the fetal position sitting there and put my pack uh, over my ankles because, you know, I was just scared of going hypothermic and not being able to get down from where I was uh, eventually. Right. And like having your, you know, when your hands go and you can't and they become useless, like useless claws and. You can't tie your shoes. You can't do zippers. You can't grab food. You, you know, you can't work anything. You can't hold your poles right. And I was in a, you know, it was a very uh, technical environment to, to get either up or down from where I was. I was on the side of this steep slope. Uh, so just being in that vulnerable position uh, was very you know, I, I, I do remember I was able to really keep my head. I was thinking very clearly, even, you know, with my lack of sleep uh, of what I needed to do. And at one point I, you know, I had my pack around my legs and I took my, my spot beacon out. And of all times for something like that to fail, I, none of the lights were on. I was going to hit, hit the button on the spot beacon that said, that would send a message to Jen to say, Hey, I'm, I'm Okay. I'm not moving. I am slowed down, but you know, I'm not injured or anything. We had a, you know, a, a, a pre-coded message uh, that one of the buttons would send uh, to a tech to Jen in a text message. And I realized that, that the spot beacon was dead. Yeah. <laughs> the batteries had died. It's never happened before. We were always amazed at how long the batteries uh, last in these things. And Jen had put fresh, like she always does. She doesn't miss a detail. She had put fresh batteries in this thing at the beginning of, of Nolan's and it had died. So I'm sitting there, you know, it's now probably 10 o'clock at night and I can't even let her know that I'm okay. I can't communicate with her in any way. And that, that was, that's very upsetting to me when I can't, you know, when I'm either delayed or something and I can't let her know that I'm okay or, Hey, I'm going to be an hour late or whatever that, that bothers me. And especially in a situation like that. And on her end, it was, she saw that that dot had not moved uh, on the, the spot on my spot page for a long, long time. And she was down below uh, seeing these unexpected storms roll in and lightning and everything. And she knew I was way up there and she was, you know, it really um, affected her to the point that just when I've been doing my scouting over the last few weeks, going back to some of those places where she was parked and reliving brought back a lot of those feelings for her. Uh, and it really, it just mm -hmm. brought up a lot of, a lot of emotions and, um, it was quite scary for her to relive those things. For me, it was, I, I don't know, I, in, in my way, I kind of processed it, but I'm very aware of, of the dangers now, especially with the uncertainty with weather in the mountains, you know, I'm always aware of that, but we're very fastidious about checking weather. Uh, but <laughs> we were checking weather and this, this was not forecasted. Um, 
So, mm. you know, that it's just reliving that. Um, I, for me, like I, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like having trouble breathing uh, and have to sit on the side of the bed um, for days after, you know, I got home and I was getting rested up. And that's very unlike me. I'm usually pretty laid back and, um, you know, not anxious like that, but I felt that anxiety come out. Uh, and, you know, for the past couple of years, I think about it from time to time and I wrote about it in, in my blog. And, um, you know, I, I think it's been good to be honest about being, uh, having fear, you know, and, and being scared. Uh, and, you know, I, I do feel some of that going into it this time. Uh, but I also know that, you know, I do make good decisions based on the experience that I have in the mountains, but I also, you know, both of us are aware that there are certain aspects that are out of your, that you cannot control and you try to minimize those things. But, um, you know, it's, you know, it, it was an emotional experience. So it's been hard to go back there. For sure. Yeah. So she was waiting for you down at Alpine while you were up on Antero. She hadn't driven around to Blank's cabin So yet. what did she do? She, no, she, yeah, she went after, she, after I left, after she, you know, I left Alpine, she walked up the Jeep road towards it, uh, Antero with me um, a good several miles. Then she went back down and she drove out of Alpine heading, heading to the Blank's uh, trailhead, anticipating that, you know, many hours, you know, hours later, I'd be there when I finished the line. Yep. Um, and I, I, I guess, I guess she has cell reception there. But anyway, when she drove, when she was driving out of Alpine, that's when she saw the storms coming in and uh, that's where she was shocked. So I think, I don't, I don't think she went, she may have gone all the way to planks. I think she, maybe she did. And then uh, when I finally got off that, uh, got down from that precarious place that I was, um, it was on the high lonesome course. And that really saved me being on that Jeep road in the middle of the night. Like I, I knew where I was. Uh, yeah. And I got to a point where I knew there was cell reception uh, from some of my training uh, outings up there at that saddle, you know, between Antero and white. Uh, uh, and uh, I called Jen and she was very happy to hear from me that I was okay. Uh, and I said, look, I'm coming out. So I'm, I'm coming down uh, little Browns Creek. So uh, she drove, she drove from blanks over to okay. the little Browns Creek uh, trailhead uh, and met me there at like four in the morning. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm trying to remember going back just a little bit. So your buddy JP was with you all the way up until Princeton. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, he, uh, he dropped out at, at, Aval at the avalanche trailhead. So he dropped out after Yale. Okay. And I, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I don't, I don't think, think I've so. ever met him. And um, yeah, and so then you went up Princeton by yourself. So, and then Princeton, you went up the West Ridge, you right. the East Ridge, you said. Did you, did you go up Maxwell Gulch? Or did no, you just I've never done Maxwell Gulch. I wrote, Julian showed that first year in 2016, that was one, one of the scouting expeditions. There was bad weather forecasted, right? So it was just me and Julian doing Princeton. And it was just Princeton for that day, right? So we were the only ones that showed up. So it was a cool day. So just Julian and I, we did Princeton. And yeah, that's what he, he showed me, the East Ridge route. And um, 
to me, that route makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's some bushwhacking through, uh, through Aspens in the middle of it, but I like it. Uh, I've never done Maxwell Gulch and those loose scree gullies, I'm not a big fan of, especially going up them. And uh, that's how it looks like coming out of Maxwell Gulch to get up to the, the Princeton Ridge. So yeah, I'm an East Ridge guy, I guess. Yep. And then did you come down Blake's mm-hmm. fast scree gully? Or did you yeah. descend? Okay. What's that like descending? I've only ascended that. I've never descended that it's way. Heinous. <laughs> to quote Eric Lee. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's horrible. I hate it. Can you? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, I never knew if you could just kind of dig in kind and say down it and it was. It, okay. Okay. I know going up. And you've, <laughs> you've gone up it? Yeah, right. That's oh, right. I've gone up it a few times and yeah. It's, and you know, it's, it's different yeah. size rocks, different places. So yeah, ideally, if you can get in that, that scree surfing uh, mode and you can kind of go down with the rest of the, the, the mountain falling down with you and you can be part of the rock slide. Uh, you can do that in certain sections. Yeah. It's just so steep. And in some sections, it's not scree. It's more like mid-sized talus. And when you get going, those things just bang your ankles and you sh- I hate it. But on the other hand, you know, it's done in whatever, you know, somewhere between 25 and 35 minutes, you're, you're, you're out of it. And like, okay, I'm done. I I don't have to do that again. So empty out my shoes. Exactly. That's what I do. I find, I find that one bowl. I always (laughs) sit on the same big boulder at the bottom of that saying, empty out my shoes, get some food while I get my pack off and, uh, and get ready (laughs) to go find the, uh, the trail a little further down. Um, It was funny. I, uh, I, 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 I scouted a different, a different way uh, last week that Eric Lee uh, had does, right? He goes right before you go down that gully, there's a ridge, right? That goes off, off the, the main ridge off, uh, it kind of runs perpendicular. Okay. So I, I, I went yeah. up Grouse Gulch uh, and got on that ridge and, you know, it looks like a fun, you know, class three scramble, but I got up there and I'm like, I'm too tired today to kind of go for this kind of scramble, you know, with any exposure and let alone being at that point, doing a North to South Nolans, I'd be, you know, how many hours and miles in at that point. Uh, and it's probably at night. Uh, I'm like, that's not for me. I'll just keep dealing with, uh, with Blake's fast recovery. <laughs> I, I know that I know it's over pretty quickly and just deal with it. So I, I gave it a check. I checked it out. I really appreciate Eric uh, giving me the, uh, the beta on it. And uh, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, Princeton is just <laughs> it's oh, a mother, God. no matter what, like, yeah. If you find a, a route that works or is, is suitable and, and you know, you can survive, it's almost like just stick with it because I've been up and down some really horrible ways on Princeton and, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've gotten hung up pretty good a few different times where it was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be going back up this thing or if I'm just calling it a day or I might just be here. like Princeton is, is kind of the crux of the whole thing and it can be scary. And it's, it's right so. after it's, it's Princeton and, and Yale then, together. Yale is just a beast. Uh, and it's never easy. Yeah, There's no easy true. way. And, and they're back to back. Yeah. That's true. And yeah, Yale is so tough. And then once you finally survive Yale, 
then you have the one that's even bigger and harder and, and more heinous. So when you, yeah, when you're going North to South, um, I have yet to experience that. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know if there's, there's a right, uh, an easier direction. I think they're both equally as challenging, but I've always kind of opted to get Princeton out of the way as peak number four, rather than uh, coming back through the other way. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, I don't it know. sucks both ways for sure. I, I, I did love, I love uh, what Julian said, right? When he was recounting his early attempts and, you know, one thing he's, I, I got a, I was laughing when he was saying, uh, you know, what, what do you say? One of the big, the big, uh, uh wrong way to think about Nolan's is ever thinking that you, you have a better way, right? <laughs> it's like you're at the top of the top of the peak. Oh, and right. like, oh, that looks like, that looks like it might go right. Then you try it and you're cliffed out yeah. or it's just way too horrendous. And yeah. I remember the, one of his attempts, right. People were following, following him, him on, on his uh, DeLorme, right. On, on uh, Facebook or something. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think people basically started, started, uh, you know, heckling him kind of, I think probably in good nature, right. Of, of, of the route that he took. <laughs> like, why would you possibly do that? <laughs> I was cracking up. <laughs> oh man, I did it. And then, so, yeah. So then you had your experience, uh, on Huron. I mean, how did you feel coming down from, or excuse um, me, on, uh, not Huron, uh, Antero. What was, how did you feel when, uh, I mean, obviously there's, there's, um, you know, you're a little bit let down that you didn't yeah. make the entire line, but in your case, it was for safety reasons were, when you decided to call it, were you thankful? Were you upset? Were you happy or were you just too exhausted to feel anything? I was exhausted and I just wanted to, I just wanted to, yeah, it's a long hike out from there. And, and I even got lost on the hike out. It was like, I got on a little bit of a wrong trail thread and it was dark and, uh, it was hellacious. Uh, but I was just at that point, yeah. you know, and even today, I don't have regrets of, of that, of make of the decisions that I made. Right. So I, yeah. I know I made the right decision. No, yeah. you made the right decision. But on the sure. other hand, yeah. uh, and this is what I'm dealing with right now. Why am I, you know, it's, it, it's left me with this feeling of unfinished business. Right. Uh, and I've mm-hmm. struggled with why is that? Like, why do I need to go back and put myself through this again? Um, and, you know, I look at it from, I've looked at it many ways, but I guess the clearest way, and I, I this is how I look at a lot of decisions in my life is, you know, you look at, I have a, a choice in front of me, right? I can do something or not do something or in other decisions, right? You can go one way or another. And I always try to think of the future, right? And, ha- you know, would I, what's worse? You know, trying this again uh, and, you know, suffering through it um, and maybe not doing it, you know, and, and convincing myself like, okay, it's just not in the cards. This is not something that, you know, I am capable of doing 12 peaks, but <laughs> I'm really not capable of finishing the line or I'm not capable of doing it in under 60 hours um, or mm-hmm. not, or just leaving that tantalizingly close um, achievement untried again, that would bother, you know, I guess I've come to the conclusion that having that, having that hanging out there for me would 
be a worse feeling having not tried it again when I'm tantalizingly close. I, look, I, at this point, I was, if that weather hadn't come in and barring injury, I would, have, I would have completed the line in 2018, way over 60 hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's my, I, I guess my goal now is I, get, I have to complete the line, right? It's, it's in me, it's, it, it's yeah. stuck, stuck with me. On the other hand, there is a, you know, another goal. Can I, is it possible for me and, you know, very ordinary guy, uh, person, Actually, maybe do, and I, I'm not sure, but I might even, if I, if I am able to do it, I might even be the oldest person to might maybe do it under 60 hours. You know, I'm 51 now. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, it's tantalizingly close when I run the numbers and Jen's run the numbers and she's an actuarial science major, so she's a numbers person. <laughs> uh, that... If, like you were saying earlier, if everything goes right and I don't screw up navigation, I don't, you know, um, hurt myself. Uh, I continue to, I'm able to eat and hydrate uh, appropriately throughout the entire thing. I might, maybe, maybe there's a, I might actually maybe be able to do this in under 60 hours. But if I don't, I'll be satisfied just by completing the line. So, you know, these are all the things I'm sure you've thought about a lot of these things too. And in your battles or your, <laughs> your uh, relationship with oh, yeah. Nolan's 14 too. Yeah. And that's all it takes is uh, like my buddy, Ryan Dexter says is uh, he calls it the maybe mm. seed. If there's that little maybe seed in your head, like maybe I can do this, then it, it's hard to just let that go. Yeah. Um, you know, people like us who, who like getting out there and getting after it and, and challenging ourselves. It's like, if there's that maybe there, you can't just put it to rest. It's like, you almost got to go out there and give it another shot. So yeah, that, I, 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 that's, you know, that's a big part of the spice of life. Right. And uh, we all have our different maybes and the things that we're passionate about that we love doing that maybe are stretches and like, why do you have to take it to that extreme? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh I guess I'm, I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I also look at it like, you know, I, I only go, you only, my, my view of, you know, I only go around once. I only get one shot at this. And, uh, um, uh, and my clock is ticking too, right. You know, I'm not, we're not getting younger. Uh, I'm, I'm recovering well when I do these big things, these big training, uh, runs and hikes right now still uh you know i attribute a lot of that to the diet that you know jen puts in me <laughs> uh and you know getting getting rest i'm a big proponent of sleep <laughs> i think you know I, I do well when i'm rested uh so you know i'm not one of those guys that oh i can do you know i, I only need five hours uh sleep a night not me that's not me uh, I like, I like my sleep. I like to feel my body recovering, you know, and, and I like those, pro- I like imagining those processes going on in my body and, uh, regenerating and actually getting stronger. And, but I know, you know, in some number of years that steady state I can maintain now in terms of fitness and being able to do things, I won't be able to do that forever. So I might as well see what I can do now. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. 
well, I support it. And, you know, if and when it happens, uh, I'm hoping that I can be there for it to, to tag as many peaks as, as possible with you. Um, so, I mean, with your big effort two years ago, um, did you learn anything that you're going to do differently this time? Or are you pretty much going to stick the same plan? Or, you know, are you going to catch a nap at a certain point? Or um, if you were to do it over again, uh, what would be some changes, if any? I, I think the biggest thing is having done, you know, almost, almost the line and being in it for as long as I was last time, um, just understanding it a bit more and understanding what it is to be able to get my arms around it mentally. Um, mm -hmm. So that, and this, this holds true. I learned this, Jen and I both learned this hiking in the Adirondacks. We, you know, we did like 24 hour hikes, you know, summoning many peaks in the, in, in upstate New York. One of the worst things is getting ahead of yourself, right? And not being in the moment. So, I mean, I knew this, uh, you know, mentally back in 2018, but I think in order to complete Nolan's uh, without losing your mind, as much as possible, uh, I've really, and, and these, these long uh, training uh, sessions I've done over the past couple of weeks is just quote unquote, enjoy the moment, be in the moment as much as possible and not, not get overwhelmed by the enormity of what's ahead, even what's ahead, like the next mountain. Like when you're in, you know, Pine Creek looking up or coming down off Oxford, looking at Harvard, like, oh my God, what am I getting into here? And what's ahead of me? And as much as I can, I've really focused on enjoying what I'm doing in that moment and accepting that this is going to take a long time and not, and, and not getting impatient about it. So that part of it of, you know, like when you go on up Yale, Yale is going to take a long time to get up and over that heap. Um, and it's going to, it's going to be rugged. And there are times when you're going to feel like you're wandering around even, you know, like, man, I'm not making the progress I wanted to don't, you know, don't up this whatever 50 degree avalanche shoot and scree and pulling myself through, through Aspen uh, trees, you know, uh, and getting cut up by them. It takes as long as it takes, right? So that's I, I constantly like I'm doing this. I am making forward progress and not to get, and just patience, have patience uh, about it. So I think that's a big thing. I have tweaked, uh, found, I think a couple of slightly better lines on some of the things like Bull Hill, which I scouted for the first time with you. I always hate that, that side hilling nightmare yeah. going across Bull Hill after uh, Elbert. Yeah. And this last time, Luke, Luke Jay is a guy I met. He, he, he completed it last year in his first try. I mean, that is an amazing accomplishment. Anybody, anybody who completes it on their first attempt is just mind boggling. I, I ran into him. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, my hat's off to them. I mean, I, I can only be jealous of something yeah, it's like in, that. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, just the, the mental fortitude to, to get through that, not having like really done it before uh, is incredible. But anyway, I, you know, I, I grabbed his GPX track and I saw he, he stayed on the ridge going over Bull Hill. So he kind of went, he almost summited Bull Hill. He went around the final summit a little bit, but he didn't do the whole side hailing thing. And I'm like, I'm going to try to stay on the ridge. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to get cliffed out at all. I just did this a few days ago. And it was, it was great. It was so much better than that side hilling nightmare that, 
<laughs> I've been doing since then. So I, I, I think it went faster. It was definitely more enjoyable. Uh, and uh, just a couple other slight little tweaks on the line. John and I have talked about this too. It, it, this is yeah. my third try at it. And it's the first time I think maybe it's kind of like my own, right? Like the first year I was kind of just following Julian or new guys. Uh, I didn't even know the whole, the whole line. Uh, and 2018, I was with JP and he's, you know, an awesome navigator and, you know, he more than pulled his weight in, in navigation and he showed me some new things there. So, you know, I took a lot from that. Uh, and now, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's my thing. So, you know, uh, it's, it's just a little bit of a different, different mental approach to it. And I think the biggest change is just having the experience of, uh, of, of doing it before. And Hey, I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I think it's awesome. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I know that this is, uh, this is, um, you know, your big things right now, obviously. And, and I'm not trying to, to push you too far ahead of that, but I'm just curious if, uh, you know, a year or two years, 10 years down the road, if you have any other uh, goals or ambitions as far as big mountain projects, big races, anything else that's on the docket that uh, you're right. still looking at? You know, no, not, not specific other than, uh, you know, I, I do want to get back. Jen and I both want to get back to Nepal and, uh, you know, get back into the Himalayas. We did that in 2015 and that was an incredible experience. Also, you know, just perspective changing. We met, met wonderful people there. Um, so we want to go back there and I don't know, we're we going to climb more peaks there. I don't know. Um, I'd like to, but we'll see how we feel, but really after, you know, hopefully, hopefully I get no one's off my back. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I do want to approach it positively, but it's also, it's like, I just got to get this thing done. Um, it really, I want to focus on doing stuff with Jen and uh, getting back to doing whatever size things that we want to do together uh, and just kind of take it from there. Um, races, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, who, every, all races are up in the air right now, right? With, uh, with uh, the pandemic and who knows when they're going to come back. But I am just intrigued with just doing things, doing lines and doing things, you know, big or medium, whatever size that uh, intrigue me and tickle my imagination, you know, uh, like, you know, there's things around here in Summit County that, you know, I've, I see from my house. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can make a loop out of that up on the continental divide, then come down to Tenderfoot Mountain. I wonder if I can complete that loop, you know, and just figure stuff out like that and, and, uh, and do things like that. I, I respect, uh, I respect those types of things. So nothing specific, but, yeah. you know, continue to get out there and, uh, and enjoy nature and uh, just, you know, revel in the, uh, in the awe of it. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about, man. And it sounds like you're in a good place mentally, um, especially when you were talking about, um, you know, just staying present and enjoying uh, what's happening right now. I mean, that is probably the key to Nolan's, you know, like you said, when, when you're down at the bottom and you're looking up at Harvard and you're completely exhausted, you feel like you're pretty much about 99% maxed and you've got a long ways to go. Um, yeah. Being present is, is key for something like that. And, you know, that translates to life too, really. I mean, um, you're looking at a big project at work that seems overwhelming or 
you know, you're going to move or, you know, whatever big situation you're facing in life, it's, it's the same thing. If you can just put one foot in front of the other and just concentrate on what it is I'm trying to do and accomplish right now, right in this very minute. And then in this very hour, you know, and then eventually you get through that and then you find yourself a little bit further along and, and that's the key, man. And it sounds like you're in a pretty good spot with, with where your mind's at before. Uh, I am right now sitting in my chair for sure. But you, you, you nailed it. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. It applies to life as well. And, you know, I try to approach things like that. You got to start somewhere uh, and, you know, spend your time doing the things that you have a passion for and the things that you enjoy and, uh, you know, the things that, you know, are, are good in the world and good to the, the people that, that, that you love and care about as well. Mm -hmm. on, that, on that note too, man, I look forward to cool, getting out with you, you and Beth uh, again soon. Uh, that, that's always great. And um, yes. Roxy, rest in peace and good luck with your puppy. I can't wait to meet your pup, man. Oh yeah. We're going to bring her out. She's uh she's a little terror and I don't know that she can do more than one of those big peaks. <laughs> Uh, at a time, but uh, we're definitely going to have her out there, and, and she's going to be uh, helping crew you uh, for sure, man. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to that's it awesome. Too, man. That's awesome, man. We, uh, I'm so glad that. I mean, I, we we were so devastated when when Roxy passed. It was so surprising. I'm, I can't imagine what you guys went through, but she was such an amazing, uh, such an amazing being. Uh, and I'm so glad that Jen got to meet her and got to spend time. She's got to spend time with both my, you know, my dog, Penny, who, uh, we lost a couple of years ago. Uh, we did the Yale thing with her and, uh, Bella, our old dog. Uh, she got to spend time with Roxy and her, her enthusiasm and her energy was just infectious and talking about being in the moment. I mean, she just enjoyed every moment, right? Every day when she woke <laughs> up, like you said, today, this is the best day ever. I mean, it, it's just infectious and <laughs> she's awesome yeah <laughs> oh, she really we miss her all the time and yeah and she passed away i think we got more support from you guys than than uh anybody and you know it's not like we expected to get support from anybody but um you guys reaching out uh several times was thoughtful and, and definitely helped us get through it because um yeah she yeah. was our best friend and you know i mean she's on 85 percent mm -hmm. of my runs and hikes for 10 years you know i mean I, i've ran more with her than with any other being with any other animal or person so yeah i mean it, it's tough when you spend that much time with them she was she was definitely my adventure buddy and, and i know you can relate because you guys yeah yeah we, we loved her i mean jen loved her immediately she she connected with her and uh you know we know how much you guys uh how much she meant to you and how big big of a part of uh of your life that she was and uh yeah so yeah. well you guys are gonna love honey girl honey girl is just a little roxy <laughs> <laughs> that's great can't wait she is like roxy it's it's pretty insane and and um she we're already turning into her uh, a little mountain dog and uh, you know she's still a puppy so we can't kill her yet but uh definitely get her out on a peak or two and uh, she can hang in there like the best of them. So yeah, that's great. You're gonna love I her. look forward to it. Cool, man. Well, thanks for talking with me, John. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, listen, I just really, um, 
I've always kind of admired you guys from afar and just the way you, you and Jen's relationship is. And um, like I said before, the way you guys work together and um, it's always a pleasure getting out in the mountains and, and hiking with you guys. And regardless of, you know, whatever the outcome is, the outcome's not the important part. I'm just looking forward to getting out there and having a good time with you guys because you guys are always fun to hang out with, camp with, hike with. So um, it's going to be a good summer, right man. I can't Absolutely. wait. Same, same here, Adam. And it was a sincere cool. pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate, appreciate you letting me battle on and uh, tell my story a little bit. It was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, always a pleasure talking awesome. with you, Adam. Awesome. Cool, brother. Well, I'll talk to you real soon. And um, yeah, man, I can't wait. Definitely. It's going to be fun. Look forward to it. Thanks, Adam. All right, man. Take care. We'll see you Take soon, care. buddy. You bet. All right, that's my dude, John Denise. He's got a heart of gold. He's tough as nails. The guy trains really hard, and I'm wishing him the best of luck this summer with whatever adventure he chooses, be it Nolan's 14 or, or something else. Him and his wife are really special people. And looking forward to sharing some trails and some miles and maybe a couple campfires with them coming up this summer. How about you guys? What are you all up to this summer? you have any big things on your calendar? If you're looking to come to Colorado, give me a shout. Uh, I can probably help you out if you're looking for hikes, runs, free places to camp. Uh, I've been around this state a couple times and... We got your back. That's what we're here for. Uh, I want to read you guys a little quote from my man, Thomas Wolf. Oh, honey girl's here. She just jumped up on the couch with me. Hey, baby. Uh, Thomas Wolf is one of my favorite writers. Um, he was around in the early 1900s and just had this huge lust for life. He, he, he just he wrote these huge books they would be thousands and thousands of pages and his editor Maxwell Perkins would have to edit them down to like a thousand pages just so that they could even be sold and read um yeah in my early 20 or probably mid 20s I, I went through all this stuff and, and read everything like original manuscripts um Gosh, all of his books, his bios. Uh, there's one by his editor, Maxwell Perkins. There's one by his stenographer. Uh, there's a book called Letters to His Mother. I read that, and that's literally all it was, was just letters that he had written to his mother. But there were so many of them that um, they compiled them into a book. And um, the guy could write and write and write about anything and everything. And... Uh, he would write hundreds of pages on, you know, just one character, one person. He probably wrote a thousand pages on different seasons, thousands of pages on uh, fall itself. Uh, he was born in the month of October. October was his favorite month. And um, gosh, I just enjoyed reading all of it. Like, I just couldn't, couldn't really get enough when I was in my 20s. And so I wanted to read you this quote. Um, in a way, it sort of reminds me of John and, and his adventure and uh, his journeys that he's looking at. It goes like this. 
the old hunger for voyages fed at his heart, to go alone into strange cities, to meet strange people, and to pass again before they could know him, to wander like his own legend across the earth. It seemed to him there could be no better thing than that. And that's it. It's my man Thomas Wolfe. It's a little quote from the book Look Homeward Angel, originally titled Oh Lost. I have both copies here. I've got the original and I've got Look Homeward Angel. So yeah, that's my that's my guy. And uh, that's about all I have for you guys this week. I've got some good conversations, some great conversations lined up coming up here soon. So stay tuned. Hold tight. I got more stuff coming. It's going to be a really good summer. And like I said, hit me up. I love hearing from you guys. Hope you guys have a great week. Life is short. Do big things.